To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God upon which we base our message on this, the transfiguration of our Lord, is the gospel for today from Luke chapter 9. You heard that read before. I recall just these words. While Jesus was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly Moses and Elijah were talking with him. They appeared in heavenly glory and were discussing Jesus approaching death and what he was about to fulfill in Jerusalem. In the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ, who truly is our beautiful Savior, Son of God and Son of Man, my beloved. I have with me this morning my handy-dandy flashlight. This is the most powerful flashlight that you can buy, LED, Govolt G5. Uh, you don't want me shining this in your face because it'll blind you. And, uh, but this comes in handy all the time. I carry this in my glove box. And uh, it came in very handy this past New Year's Eve when uh, my brother always invites uh, his brothers and our sisters-in-law to his lake home near Fond du Lac. And a uh, big snowstorm. And um, sure enough, right around uh, 9 or 10 o'clock at light, all the nights, lights went out. That's in the middle of the country. So I went out to my glove box and got this, just set it on the table, and it lit up the dining room and the living room, everything together. How, how powerful this thing is. But you don't want it in your eyes. Remember the days uh, long ago, for some of us who are, you know, have a little gray hair, Remember uh, some summer nights, you'd go out and you'd see those uh, big spotlights in the sky? Somebody was announcing a grand opening, and then they, what they wanted you to do is follow the spotlight where that location is. Did you ever go and see uh, those things on the truck where, where they are? With all those mirrors and everything on the inside, you would never want to look down in there. You'd go blind. For those of you who have been with us on our uh, Revelation series downstairs, we're watching a video presentation of the last book of the Bible. Every once in a while I forget, and that projector is up on the screen, and I walk in front of the projector and almost go blind. Any of you uh, snow shoveling this winter and in the sunshine? And you come in and you have that snow blindness, and it takes a long time before you can see again? Or did you ever accidentally open up the, uh, the uh, blinds or the shutters or whatever and you weren't aware that the sun and it blasts you in the face and for a while you got those little sunspots there? And whatever you do, whenever there's a solar eclipse, never look directly in the sun because you could burn your retina and all the other things on the inside of your eyeball. The reason for mentioning that this morning is that the sun brilliance, sunlight brilliance, was only one of the supernatural occurrences during Jesus' transfiguration on the mountaintop. In fact, so bright was Jesus' face that it was like the sun, the disciples could not look at him. 
We're also going to find out this morning that there were two men that appeared with Jesus on that mountaintop that uh, shouldn't really have been there. And then God the Father spoke in a thundering voice, this is my son whom I love. So today is Transfiguration Sunday. Sounds like a big word. Uh, It comes from the Greek word metamorphosis, you know, like a caterpillar changes into a uh, butterfly. So for a while, Jesus was changed. I want to talk about uh, the fact that this was a real event that really happened to real people in real time so that they could know the truth. In fact, that's why we come here once a week to get a dose of reality and truth because a lot of times you can't get it out there in the world. So as we consider the transfiguration of Jesus this morning, we want to answer a bunch of questions. Where and when did this take place? And who was there? And what happened? And what happened to all of them after it was all over? St. Luke says that after eight days of the previous occurrence in the Bible, uh, Jesus took three of his 12 disciples, just three of them, Peter and James and John, up to a mountaintop to pray. Now, if you look in the Bible, you can't find exactly where where this uh, mountain was. Somebody says it was Mount Nebo. Somebody says it was Mount Hermon. Uh, We don't know up north in, in the Holy Land. We don't know really where it was. Now, what's kind of interesting is that even though only four people climbed the mountain, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus, once they got to the top, eventually the entourage increased to seven. We have to remind ourselves that this seemingly surreal event was really a supernatural reality. Seven persons. Four came up. Then there was the Father, of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then Moses and Elijah. Now that's kind of unusual because Moses and Elijah had been dead for centuries. So they actually came down from heaven to that mountaintop talking with Jesus. Now, why in the world would Moses and Elijah have been there? Well, we know Moses and Elijah both had experience with fire. Moses was called to be a leader uh, of God's people by a burning bush. And later on, uh, Moses and the children of Israel were led through the wilderness by a pillar or a cloud of fire. And when God spoke his Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai, there was fire and thunder and lightning up there. And then for Elijah, Elijah witnessed God's fire from heaven when it consumed that water-soaked altar. The prophets of Baal couldn't have anything like that happen, but uh, Elijah said, God, show yourself. Fire and brimstone came down from heaven and and ate up all the stuff that was on that sacrificial altar. And then uh, Elijah told the people, he said, how long are you going to waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. Pick between reality and illusion, between truth and lies, between light and darkness. Perhaps uh, Moses and Elijah were there to represent, represent two different ways that you can get into heaven. One by dying and one by translation. 
We know that Moses died in the reading uh, today at, when he was 120 years old. And uh, we don't know where God buried him. But Elijah didn't die. Remember the fiery chariots? And then Elijah was taken to heaven in a, in a whirlwind? Never died. St. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are alive and are left will be caught up in the air with them to meet the Lord with the, in, the, in the air, and so we will be with the Lord. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. Some of us may be alive when Jesus returns in his glory from heaven, and we won't have to experience death. Perhaps Moses and Elijah were there as representatives of the Old Testament, all the history that came before Jesus. Back in Jesus' day, when they talked about the Old Testament Bible, they talked about Moses and the prophets. Moses wrote the first five books of the, of, of the Bible, and all the rest were pro uh, prophecies about Jesus. Moses and the prophets were the Old Testament. So represented there on the Mount uh, of Transfiguration were Moses and Elijah representing the written word and God from heaven, the spoken word, and there Jesus was, the living word. And you know what's really fascinating about this? Moses and Elijah and Jesus were the only men, of course Jesus was also true God in the Bible, to have uh, been out in the wilderness for 40 days with nothing to eat and drink, fasting. So, who was on the mountaintop once again? God the Father, Moses and Elijah and Jesus and Peter and James and John. Seven people up there. Now that we know who was up there, what were they all doing? Well, first of all, we should say that all eyes were fixed on Jesus. The focus of the other six persons was on Jesus. God the Father, first of all, spoke. He said, this is my beloved son and with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. He was telling them, this is my appointed one. Now he's going to do what I sent him to do, namely die on the cross. What about uh, Moses and Elijah? What were they doing? Well, they were talking to Jesus, the Bible says. About what? About Jesus' departure. About his departure into death by way of a cross. Old Testament prophets. Face to face with the personal embodiment of the fulfillment of all of their prophecies. Moses said in the Old Testament, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, from among your own brothers, you must listen to him. And then there was Jesus, transfigured or for a moment changed so that he was as brilliant as the sun, you couldn't look at him. You see, when Jesus came to earth, he veiled his divinity with his humanity. He covered his heavenly brilliance with human flesh. But for just a brief moment, he lifted up the veil and allowed the disciples to see his heavenly glory. Standing before them was the Son of God. 
not one who would very soon set up a palace in Jerusalem to deal with earthly economics and health care and political issues. The Son of God who was standing there, who possesses all power in heaven and on earth, would instead go down the mountain to suffer a humiliating death for you and me. And then there were the disciples. What were they doing? Well, first of all, they were sleeping. Perhaps they were so freaked out, uh, and that fear and that uh, anxiety just led to exhaustion. When they looked up, they saw Jesus and Moses and Elijah. And then after a brief uh, suggestion by Peter to build three shelters, one for Jesus, one for Moses, and then for Elijah, then all of a sudden it was all over. God the Father went back to heaven. Moses and Elijah went back to heaven. Jesus went down to die, possessing all power in heaven and earth that he just displayed. He went down to do what he came to do. The disciples, what did they do? Well, when things got real tough for Jesus, they fled. When Jesus was crucified, they looked on, powerless, not knowing what to do. When he rose again from the dead, they were so slow to believe. When he ascended, they kept looking up, wondering, oh, now we're all alone. But at Pentecost, that's when the light went on. Reality finally set in. Then Peter preached boldly, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Repent then and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Christ who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Salvation is found in none other under heaven, given among men whereby we may be saved than Jesus Christ. And when the disciples after Pentecost were told, don't you preach about Jesus anymore, then they said, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have heard and seen. And not only did those uh, Peter, James, and John speak about Jesus, they also wrote about him, wrote about the time that they were on the mountain of transfiguration with him. James, in his letter, says he refers to Jesus as being our glorious Lord. St. Peter says in his second letter, We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came from him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. And the Apostle John wrote these words in his gospel. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The disciples, privileged to ascend that mountain with the Lord Jesus, to see the light show, to see the reality show, to see the transfiguration, 
and they themselves would be transfigured, changed from those cowardly men that didn't want to say anything about Jesus to fearless messengers of the truth. You know, when you uh, take a look at this transfiguration, it's almost surreal to us. And you might think, well, that was the greatest display of Jesus' glory while he was here on earth. Not so. The greatest display of Jesus' glory was when he stretched out his arms on the cross for you and for me. That's when he transformed everything. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when Jesus died, he had other transfigurations in mind too. He wanted you changed, St. Paul says. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, all of us lost God's image when Adam and Eve fell into sin, but we get it back through faith in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus did not stay on the mountain, because Jesus did not retreat back into heaven, but because he went down to die and to rise again, he guarantees us of the ultimate transfiguration. St. Paul says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. So there you have it. Jesus' transfiguration on the mountaintop, doing two things for us showing that Jesus is true God, displaying his divinity, possessing all power in heaven and on earth, and yet willingly subjecting himself to death on the cross for you and for me. As Jesus was the center of attention for those mountain men on that mountaintop, may he always be the center of our attention every day. On the mountaintop, Jesus revealed his power, and his love. That's who he is, and that's what, uh, what he did. And that's who he is, and that's what he does. And that's the real truth, and that's the real light in a sin-darkened world. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Please stand. Peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate, 
He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.